one of the things we want to do as the church is be able to present light in the midst of the darkness, but we need to understand what the darkness is. And we have a person who's a member of our congregation who for many years was tied into witchcraft, tied into a lot of the divination practices that are so common at Halloween time. And lots of people see them just as innocent little things, little games people play, but there are... There's more to it than that, and there's a a real danger of opening up our minds and our hearts to things that have negative and evil spiritual force and power in our lives. We need to recognize that Halloween, though it is a high satanic Sabbath, it is a time where, uh, and, and you'll hear in just a few moments what we mean by some of this, But we also need to recognize that all through the year, there are things that we face every day that have tremendous uh, spiritual power and force. And you're going to hear some of that this morning. So Holly, would you come? And uh, thank you for sharing. She's put a lot of work into this. And uh, we'll bring you right up here. And... uh, Okay, we're going to start out with uh, just a short video clip. Can you say trick or treat? Trick or treat. Trick or treat. You, you, you. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Thank you. Trick or treat. 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 Trick They are cute. There's no doubt about it. Um, These children, just like their parents and their parents before them, dressed up. I dressed up. I was taught to dress up and disguise myself and go to the neighbors in the country and, and see if they could guess who I was. And it all was really, really, really fun. But... I'm here today to to talk to you and and raise a few questions. And one of them is, why is it that we do this on this one day of the week? We can dress up. They were very cute, but some people aren't so cute. They look really evil. Um, We can dress up, decorate our yards with with tombstones and skulls with knives through them, and we, we play horrific recordings of people screaming in agony and demons and it's it's okay it's all fun and acceptable this one day of the year so we have to ask ourselves okay what's behind that what what is the tradition behind that why are we still doing it today well it started several thousand years ago between two and three thousand years ago there were nomadic tribes called the Celts there were many different tribes 
And they were ruled by the Druid class. They were the priest class, and they, they held power and control over the people. And they were very superstitious. And one of the things that they did was they, they honored the dead. They believed in reincarnation. And one night of the year, they celebrated, it was called Samhain or Samhain, and it means summer's end. That was the end of the old year and the beginning of the new. At this time of year, the veil between the worlds, they believe, was so thin that the departed spirits and demons could come through that veil and could do a lot of harm and cause terror. So what they would do would be to dress up and disguise themselves and wear masks because some of the people that passed might be friendly and some not so friendly. And so they didn't want to be recognized by them. So they would hide so that possibly they would be bypassed and nobody in their house would be harmed. And um, anyway, they one of the practices in, in reincarnation, they served the Lord of the dead. They, their intent was to appease him. And they believed that the Lord of the dead at this night would collect all the souls of people that had passed on that year and he would decide how they would reincarnate into what form, animal or human, depending on their deeds that year. So it was a night of expectancy and, and a lot of fear. But um, I just want to read before I get into any slides or anything. Um, it's a passage from Hebrews 2 verse 14, find out, find out who the Lord of the dead is. And it reads, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same humanity, so that through death he might break the power of the one who had the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who by fear of death were in bondage all their lives. So we know who the Lord of the dead is. So we, we, I wanted to establish that. Today, we still celebrate it. Like, this has never changed. It's, it seems kind of odd that all those years and through those superstitious times, those have become traditions. They've, kind, they've got watered down and kind of some of the, um, some of the fear has dwindled away. But but yet, on that night, when it's celebrated, fear is instilled. Little children, I remember when I used to dress up and, and take my children out, and I was dressed in a scary costume one night, took them out, and this little one came up beside me and took one look at me and began to scream and cry, and the parents said, that's okay, that's okay, won't hurt you. And, and that seems okay. And we have to look what's behind the spirit of fear. But this, this night is real for witches. Now, for those of you who might not believe in witches, there are such things. People that practice witch, witchcraft, sorcery, shamanism, all sor sorts of um, occult activities. The occult is very real. And there are witch covens all over the world. Um, some have darker practices than others. Um, we have regular pagans who worship 
the earth deities. We have the witches who go into high ritual on that night and Satanists who also revere who they call their Lord Satan. So what's happening on this night is that they are gathering to have rituals collectively. Now you can imagine, Ephesians 6 talks about putting on your spiritual armor because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And this is what we're working with, and they are real, very, very real. Um, I was a practicing witch, and this was a very high time for me. Um, I prepared for it sometimes a couple of months before the occasion. We would get together, we would decide exactly what kind of spells we wanted to cast, where we wanted to direct our intent, and we go, would go to great lengths using methods of divination, tarot, astrology, to put together these intentions. They're used for sometimes, you know, in their own heart, which is believed they are, they are sending out good energy. That's their intent. But some are not so good. There's binding people. There's um, wrecking havoc, getting revenge. Those things actually happen. And so a lot goes into this. Now, we know we have a world day of prayer. We know the power of prayer, and we know exactly what kind of power our God has. When we all unite, if a whole nation would fall on their knees, if Canada, every person, man, woman, and child, would fall on their knees, repent, and cry out to God for a healing of our land, we would see results. So you can imagine the power it packs when on this one night there's millions, millions of pagans and witches and Satanists around the world sending out their energy, their intentions with demons behind them. It's, um, it's a very sobering thing to really think about and it's all about fear. We know where fear comes from. So this morning, what I want to focus on is something that all of these groups practice this night. It's the highlight of this year. And it's called divination. So I want to put up a few slides here so that you can read what divination is. So we will go to... First, the biblical definition. Can everybody see that? The art of obtaining secret or illegitimate knowledge of the future by occult methods on sanction by God. And I'll read the Webster. It's the art or practice that seeks to foresee or foretell future events or discover hidden knowledge usually by interpretation of omens or by the aid of supernatural powers. Jumping around on you here. Sorcery, according to the Webster's Dictionary, is the use of power gained from the assistance or control of evil spirits, especially for divining or necromancy. So, 
let's go to the definition in slide seven of necromancy. Conjuring of the spirits of the dead for purposes of magically revealing the future or influencing the course of events. All of these tie in to divination. So, now that we've looked at the definition of it, let's look at what divination is. What does it include? So we'll go to the first slide, slide three. There's many of them, and it would take all morning to explain all of them, but I will some as I go through. Uh, tarot card readings. These are often and usually done in, in a circle, a witch's circle that's cast. Tea leaf readings, pendulum dowsing, and that's holding a, a chain with a crystal or something on the end of it, holding it over something to answer your questions, swinging yes or no. Ouija boards, calling of the dead by seances, there's the Celtic Ogham. There's, there's there a set of staves, which actually the Celts would cast sticks to form patterns and symbols, and they would read that way. And numerology. We know we have biblical numerology, but actually um, witches have, have their own form, and they use it as a form of fortune-telling. Can we go to slide four? Clouds growing, looking for patterns in the clouds and omens. Osteomancy, reading bones. It should read bones, not boxes. <laughs> um, lithomancy, reading stones, casting stones. Astrology, this is a big one. This is a big one. It, says it has become a science where very extensive charts um, can, be, can be made. And we think this is really, really innocent. And I really want to touch on this one because we run around, go up to somebody and say, what sign are you? And they'll say, Taurus, wow, we're compatible. Well, we manage to put our lives, we can put our lives into a box. When we depend on an astrological sign which tells you, is supposed to tell you who you are, what your personality is, what your future is, what kind of guy or girl you're going to meet, what kind of job you're going to work at. And people have extensive charts that are very detailed, and they go to actually tarot readers. There's a, a particular tarot reader in this town that actually does these charts. So there's crystal ball gazing, mirror scrying, looking into a mirror for images, angel cards. Now I'm going to stop here for a minute and touch on that. Um, there are many types of cards. And often, you know, you'll go to a, a person's place, and I have. I know people that, that aren't Christians, many of them. And it's nothing for them to pull out a deck of cards before you leave and say, here, draw a card. Let's, let's see what it, what it has to say to you. And um, this is not what you think it is. This is a form of divination. Angel cards are all the raise right now because people have a devotion to angels, and we know they serve God. But they're not omnipresent. They're created beings. We, used, we would cast them, we would invite them to come and attend the witch's circle to guard and guide and protect our circle. 
when really, in fact, those aren't angels. Archangel Michael and Gabriel, they're not going to show up at random when you snap your fingers, call a circle, and make you feel all warm and fuzzy. Those are demon spirits that are, that are actually showing up in your circle. So one has to be really careful. Do not touch any cards that you draw if you're visiting someone. They pull out a card, say no thank you, because it is a form of divination. Self-empowerment cards fall into that. Automatic writing, sitting down and asking the universal spirit to flow through you and write as it's, it's given to you information that's not coming from God. So, slide five. Then we have guided meditation, which actually gets uh, when you're involved in shamanism. You're asking spirit guides to come and meet you from the other side to give you information, take you places, magic circles, spell casting, voodoo, and shamanism. So the list really goes on and on, but there are so many types. So, you know, just a, just a recap. Don't be drawing cards, pulling cards. And be mindful of symbols, even astrological symbols, because they are what they represent. So, now that you have an idea of some of the things that are out there, let's look at what God has to say. What do the scriptures say about these practices? This is really important to know what he says. So, the first slide we'll go to is slide 9. Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 14. When you go into the land the Lord your God gives you, do not learn to follow the hated and sinful ways of those nations. There must be not found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire or uses secret ways or does witchcraft or tells the meaning of special things or is a witch or uses secret power on people or helps people talk to spirits or talks to the dead. For the Lord hates whoever does these things. And because of these hated things, the Lord your God will drive them out from in front of you. You must be without blame before the Lord your God. For these nations that you are about to take, listen to those who do witchcraft and use secret ways. But the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. That's pretty strong language. And he made it really clear to the people of Israel and warned them that when they came up against these nations, that... If they didn't heed, they could easily slide in and become just like them. Slide 10. Isaiah 8:19. When they speak to you, ask those who speak in secret with the spirits of the dead and who use their secret ways. Should not a people ask their God? Should they speak to the dead for the living? We can't talk to the dead. We're appointed once to die. And the dead are not permitted to come back and and give us any information. That's for God alone. Slide 11. Now, Acts 16.16 16 talks about a demon spirit called divination. It's actually a spirit with that name. One day, as we were going, Paul and Silas, to the place to pray, we met a servant girl who could tell what was going to happen in the future by a demon she had. 
Her owner made much money from her power. There's a lot of money to be made in, in uh, tarot cards, in all forms of reading. Um, there's actually a, a lady in town in the next day or so who will be doing readings and, you know, they charge a lot of money, some more than others, anywhere from 50 to 100 to 150 dollars. And they set up shop and they're open to these spirits coming through and giving them messages. And he is the father of all lies, remember. He'll give you a little truth to bait you. And people get all excited. Oh, he told me everything I, I, that I ever did in my life. Well, he didn't tell you everything. And he can't tell you what's going to happen. And there's a danger in this because when you start listening to fortune tellers, you're programmed. They program you. There's many husband and wife have gone to them and said, he's not the one for you. There's another guy down the road. He, he drives a black Cadillac and, and he works at such and such. And so that wife goes home or husband and looks at their partner and says, well, I know they're not the one for me. And that happens for real because they're lying in deceptive spirits. So the question is, we'll go to slide 12. How can Christ get along with the devil? How can one who has put his trust in Christ get along with one who has not put his trust in Christ? How can the house of God get along with false gods? How does it mix? You know, that, that's a really good question. You know, I've experienced many things, people. I've been in those circles, and I can tell you, things happen. It's not hocus-pocus. It's not a, a silly little thing that we did. Things, spirits, showed up. Things moved. Things have appeared. And things have happened in people's lives that were directed. This is real. So when we're looking at Halloween, we're looking at the big picture we have to, to really go back to our traditions. And the scriptures speak about the traditions of man. And it can make us feel warm and fuzzy. It gives us an excuse to celebrate, get together with people, have fun. And having fun is great. Nothing wrong with that. But we can covet them. And when somebody steps on your toes and says, well, why do you do that? They question what you do. The thought of giving those things up can make us agitated, even angry. Because there's a feeling of loss. Something's been taken away from us. We feel that we've been robbed of something. But the important thing that we have to, to look at, what we have to do is weigh the value and integrity of all of these man-made customs against the word of God. Does it match? Because if it doesn't match, it's important to make the decision to let it go. It lines up or it doesn't. You know, this was a very personal thing for me because I have experienced this firsthand. And what really hit me when I came back and I gave my life 100% to God. I realized it hit me. I had been sharing a table with demons. This is the night of demons. This gives power and lordship to the prince of darkness. 
Actually, there are some places in the world, even in North America, where Satanists offer animal sacrifices and human. Like this, this is pretty big stuff. So it's really something I really want you to look at. I'm not judging anybody here. I'm not here because I'm judging anybody. Because I, I had to, to judge myself. I had to make that personal decision myself to give up this holiday. And, and I personally don't celebrate it. Because this night is owned by the demons, the prince of darkness. And, and that is a given. We can't sugarcoat it. We can call it a harvest festival, and have pumpkins and, you know, all these things. But underlying this, this is so important. Um, and this, this night is based on fear. Um, slide 13. For God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a good mind. God would not give us fear. He wouldn't terrorize us. You know, we can send our children out and get frightened. I, I had to tuck my children into bed years ago and say a prayer with them. They were so terrified. They watch horror movies. So you have to undo what's been done after it's done. So the spirit of fear is entered. Then you have to pray against the spirit of fear. And does it really make sense? The beginning of knowledge. This is, there's a scripture in Proverbs 1.7. The beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge is fear of the Lord. He's the only one we should fear. Is obeying him, keeping his commandments, following his word, listening to his instructions, because he's given us a complete instruction manual. And finally, in John 8, verse 12, Jesus is speaking. He is the light of the world. The one who follows me will no longer walk in darkness. He came to bring light, to dispel this darkness. So ask yourself, should I be opening up to darkness and then asking him to expel it? So I just leave you with those thoughts and and Pastor Bruce has some, some more to offer now on the history behind this. Thank you, Holly. Amen. You know, when you've experienced what she has experienced when it comes to the realm of darkness and evil spirits, and they are very real, they are very, very real, when you've experienced what she's experienced, you have a totally different uh, awareness of the kinds of dangers that we're facing in our world all the time, the kind of dangers our children and our teens are exposed to, but not just our children and teens, every one of us. And we can get, can easily get caught up in or swept into something that is very, very evil in its practice or in its ways, and we don't always recognize it for what it really is. You know, the Celts, Celtic people, it's hard to figure out where they actually really came from. 
Uh, if you go back into Roman history, you find that there were Celtic people that existed in the time of the Caesars. They lived mostly through Europe, particularly Northern Europe, including Great Britain, and there was no one particular group of them of which you could say, well, this is what Celtic people did. Um, so it, it, there's, there's a lot of variableness there. But one of the things that we notice is that the Druids did have, and this was a priestly class of people, they had powerful, powerful influence. One of the things they could do, and this didn't happen in every group, but in some groups, they would actually come on Halloween night. They didn't call it Halloween night, but it was the eve of the new year, and that would be October 31st in their reckoning of a calendar. And they would come and say to a family, we want your child to sacrifice to the spirits. And so a family would be compelled to give their child for sacrifice. Now that was, that was a part of it. Now, it didn't always happen, not in every group, but in some groups that would happen. But what was typical was the awareness, as Holly so well described, that the veil between the living and the dead was almost non-existent. And so that the spirits of the dead could, could show up on this night, October 31st, and they could do a lot of, a lot of hurt. So one of the things they would do is they would dress up in costumes so the spirits couldn't recognize them, so that they would pass them by. So now that was their belief. It was a very strong belief, and it was part, it's a part of the Halloween celebration. Another thing that they would do uh, is bob for apples if you wanted the spirits to guide you in your romance. So as you bob for apples depending on how well you did or how, how they worked it, um, you could get spiritual direction, divination, as she just described, to tell you if you're on track with this person that you were, that you were going out with and uh, whether or not marriage was proper for you. And actually, uh, in that culture, women had more power than men in many respects. It was very matriarchal. It was the worship of the female gods. Uh, other superstitions arose. One of them was to ward off an evil spirit. You would take some kind of a, of a, a vegetable. Um, the Scottish used turnips. And they would take out the inside, put a candle inside, and make a grotesque figure on the outside of the, the turnip, and as the spirit would come by and see that grotesque figure and that candle, they wouldn't, they wouldn't come and affect that household. So these, these kind of traditions that we do today as a part of, of, of uh, Halloween, and people do it innocently, it may not actually have such an innocent connection when it comes to the power of the spirit world and the influence it can have. Now, uh, here's something to understand about how the church handled this way back in around the 4th, 5th, 6th century and then beyond. The church's Christianity advanced through Europe, uh, was very aware of all of these satanic practices, the practices of the pagans, 
And so they wanted to somehow um, uh, change it so that they would still honor the practices but kind of change the focus. So All Saints Day was created. The day for praying to saints and martyrs. Martyrs, of course, they considered to be saints. And so the idea was that it was still the day whenever uh, the, the veil between the living and the dead was really um, very n- not apparent, uh, and, and, it was, and it was kind of a, a very thin veil, that we could actually pray to the saints, and we could pray for their, their be- that they would benefit us and bless us. And the whole idea of the, the church, and it was uh, Pope Boniface, I think, the fourth or third uh, that instituted All Saints Day and did it so that people would still be able to uh, recognize the dead, but do it in a Christian context. Now, um, there's several problems with that. One of them is the Bible never teaches us to pray to the saints. Jesus never taught us that. In fact, the Bible teaches the very opposite. The Bible teaches that we have one advocate and an advocate is a legal title to a person who represents you in a court. And Jesus is our advocate. He represents us in the court of divine justice and righteousness, not to plea innocence on our behalf, because we're all guilty, but to present the penalty for what we've done to the throne of God and present his blood as payment for that penalty. So as Christians, we do celebrate the dead, but it's not dead saints. It's Jesus who died, but didn't stay dead. (laughs) He rose again. So we remember his death, and we celebrate his death, but we do it with the understanding that he's alive. And spiritual life is found in him. And it's so dangerous for us to dabble in things that are of the opposite spirit. There's so much that we can say about that. My uh, cousin and his wife were here and ministered last Sunday night about some of these things. And it was a very powerful, powerful teaching that they brought. Um, They have had a lot of experience working in uh, native reservations in northern Ontario and have had a lot of experience with divination. One of the things that was so of concern to them was that, well, even people, whenever they would uh, become Christians, would still have great fear of evil spirits. And so they would see evil spirits everywhere and be controlled by them and they would even do things to somehow try to appease them and these were people who had really a mixed faith uh, trust in Jesus on one hand but recognizing the power of evil spirits on the other hand and trying to appease them now that's kind of kind of a dramatic contrast but you know church we can very easily do the same things Uh, without realizing it sometimes. Uh, One of the things that people do, I didn't even know this until yesterday, when I was talking to Holly about this morning, is they wear jewelry that is one of the signs of the zodiac. So 
if you have a whatever sign you were born under, uh, there's a symbol. You get the symbol. It's in jewelry, and you wear it. And so you're actually wearing a satanic symbol and not realizing it. Uh, for years, in fact, you can still get this today. You can listen to radio programs. or In fact, they used to do it right here on CKEC. They would give the sign of the zodiac, and they would say something if you were born under this particular sign, and, and there would be just a little clip about that person for that day. A lot of media outlets would do that. Newspapers would do that. People just wanted to know what sign of the zodiac they were born under and find out about themselves. Do you know that when you do that, especially if you start to follow the directions that you receive from those signs, you're actually following the directions of evil spirits. You say, oh, really? Well, yes. All through the New Testament, you see that Jesus, when he ministered to people, didn't just minister to the needs of their heart in terms of their need for forgiveness or their need for healing in their bodies. But he also ministered to the needs that they had if they were possessed or influenced by evil spirits. Um, there's a brother who for years has had a powerful ministry when it comes to deliverance. And that is deliverance from evil spirits. And he's a man by the name of Neil Anderson. We have some of his books and we've used them here before. One of them is The Bondage Breaker. Uh, it's a very good book. There are actual courses that he leads people through to bring them into a place of freedom from the kind of bondages that they've got themselves into because of occultic practices. Surely, my cousin, uh, married to my cousin, pulled out one of these books with, that she had with her that she was reading, and it was a Neil Anderson book about helping people go through the occult. And she just happened to have it with her, <laughs> and I hadn't seen it before. It was actually a workbook that people, people can follow. And she had this one page, a full page, of things to check off if you've ever been involved in it. I was going to bring it this morning. And then when I met Holly yesterday, uh, as she was preparing some thoughts, I asked her to do what she's done. And then she showed me some of the things that she wanted us to put on slides. And I realized, well, I don't need to bring that because she's already got it here. But as I looked at the check marks, and then what Neil Anderson says we need to do, if we have been so involved in any of those things. And one of them is to recognize the power of evil, the power of the demonic, the power of the devil. I don't want you to be devil conscious or evil spirit conscious. I want you to be Jesus conscious because that's where true spiritual life is. But if the influence of the demonic is holding you back, from a full faith and release of your spirit into the blessings of God's Holy Spirit and bringing Jesus to you in all his fullness and grace, then we need to deal with the demonic. We need to deal with the oppressive or possessive influences and power and authority of the devil. Um, maybe there's somebody here this morning. You've practiced astrology. You didn't even know it was evil. Maybe you've been here and you've prayed to the saints and the Bible doesn't say to do that. And you realize that you have let 
saints replaced. The, only, the one and only role when it comes to praying, and that is that we pray to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so we, even in something that appears to be ordained by the church and appears to be okay, really, in fact, isn't. There's a need for us to say, okay, what does the Bible say? What does God say? Who truly is Jesus? And are we fully devoted to him, or is our devotion compromised? If you followed astrology, are you willing to renounce it? Are you willing to say right here, right now, today, I repent of it? You might have done it in innocence, and that's okay. It's just a matter of saying, God, will you by your grace deliver me from all of the influences that may be operating in my life today because of it? What about tarot car readings or Ouija boards? Have you practiced those things? Um, do you recognize the power that's behind them? That this is not just innocent fun, but there is real spiritual force there? Parents, it is so important for us to be on guard when it comes to what our children watch and do and observe. And when they go to a friend's house, what are they doing at that friend's house? Are they watching horror movies? Uh, we have just a very basic package when it comes to our, our uh, television service. And so we don't have any movie channels or any of those things, but in order to entice you to get them, they, they list all the programs, and they just say, you know, not authorized, not authorized, not authorized. But they tell you what it is you're missing. And so yesterday, last evening, actually, I, I thought, oh, well, I'd, go, I'd go through all those channels. I'd go right through the whole 800 of them that's on our, <laughs> on our thing. And uh, most of them, like there's some, there's huge gaps in between them, and a lot of them are sports channels and news channels and those kinds of things. So I bypassed all those. But anywhere where there could be a movie channel... I, I went through the couple of hundred possibilities that were there. And I was amazed at how much has to do with evil spirits, ghosts, horror, blood, death. It's the celebration, and, and people have an addiction to it. They, they want to watch it. I was talking to a child this week who stays up um, till 2 o'clock in the morning watching those kind of movies. That child is not even 10 years old yet. And he is so fascinated with them, loves horror movies. And it just, it just pains my heart when I see what the, the influence of that can be on a person and how it opens them up to direction and, uh, in their life that can be so destructive. The games that are so full of the occult, so full of sexualized content and evil content, content that is so damage, damaging, pervades our world. And Christians, we need to be aware and we need to recognize the darkness for what it is, but not be overcome by it. Recognize the light for who he is. And God, by his grace, gives each one of us a very powerful ability to influence the darkness through the light. So, Jennifer, would you bring up that song? Uh, 
hope to get our worship team to learn this. It's, they haven't even seen it yet. It's a song by Chris Rice, and I want you to listen to it. And we're going to play it again, and I want you to sing it. And, uh, wow. God gives you a candle. In every soul, some brightly burning, some dark and cold, there is a spirit who brings a fire, ignites a candle, and makes his home. Seek out the hopeless, confused and torn. Hold out your candle for all to see. Take your candle and go light your world. Take your candle and go light your world. Some other way See now your sister She's been robbed and lied to Still holds a candle Without a Light up the sky, praying to our. 